0: The Bible passage this morning is from James chapter 5, verses 13 to 18. You can find that on page 1844 of the Pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. And while you're flipping there, just a reminder that we will be having an Ask Me Anything after the service. So if you have any questions from Anohar, there will be a number on the screen that will pop up, and you'll be able to text that and ask your questions. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops.
1: Good morning, High Point. Good to see you all, and it's a joy always to come and look all over you from here and glance because I can't meet people in the foyer. Uh, Thank you for coming, and uh, uh, before I get into the word, I have a couple of things to do. Uh, One is to honor uh, a couple who are heroes of faith, and they were missionaries to uh, UAE, and they went to UAE from Wisconsin in 1966, and they served there for about 40 years. And well, these people are not our guests. They are members of our family here. But why am I doing? And because you know, we need to honor those people who suffered in the field and impacted the world across the globe. So, And uh, these people went to UAE in 1966 and returned in 2002. And High Point was one of their faithful supporters for decades. And the church they started in their living room during those formative years with all language learning and suffering with culture and all of that now has grown to have 10,000 members from 80 different countries of the world. Why don't we, I want both of them to stand. Can you stand up? So you can see them here, and uh, I really wanted to, yeah. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Thank you for what you have done for the kingdom and the pain you took. And sometimes, you know, we see older generations in our church and then we sometimes just bypass them, but we don't know how much God has accomplished. Uh, You can be seated, how much God has accomplished uh, in the world through their lives. And they are right in our midst, the heroes of faith. So we need to sit down with some of those people and learn from them, right? And the second thing I want to tell you is that I'm leaving for India in a couple of days. By Wednesday, I'll be going to O'Hare to get into the flight to go to India for, at, um, well, six months I always, six weeks I always plan for, and then I extend it for two months. But uh, anyway, I'm going to train pastors in different parts of uh, India, and those pastors are biblically illiterate or less literate, so we really wanted to uh, train them as to how they can contextualize the gospel for the changing world. So please pray for me as I go and travel in the hot summer and training these pastors, some of those places where I gather these people do not have even fans. So it's a very tough and then sun becomes 110, 120. So pray that I will stay healthy and I will be energetic and I'll be encouraged to continue what I'm doing while I will be there. And also I ask you to pray that God will truly touch these pastors because these pastors are, you know, uh, frontline uh, soldiers in the battlefield of the kingdom, so pray that Uh, the teaching that I provide would really be a blessing for all those who attend. And uh, you know that God has provided us a small piece of land last year, and that's all by faith. And uh, uh, we are planning on building uh, something, which you see on the left side, that is a holistic building where we can uh, train uh, pastors on a regular basis and uh, uh, help uh, those uh, marginalized communities, suffering communities uh, with various projects and then share the love of Jesus Christ. And uh, this project would cost us 450000 and I, uh, I seldom ask people for money because that is not my gift. But God has already provided $100,000 for this need. So we still have uh, $350,000, but uh, by faith, I'm going to lay foundation uh, for this building when I will be in India this time. So please pray for God's provision for this need. And also pray that the neighbors, the you know, anti-Christian neighbors, they won't give us trouble as we start the construction, and I also pray that uh, government will be cooperative. So I want you to join uh, in prayer with me for those things, but not now, but keep praying for those things, all right? So now it's time to turn to the Word of God. Today I really wanted to talk about not giving up on our healing. You know, we have been talking about healing for the past few weeks so that we could trust more, so that we could rely on God more and invite God's healing in our lives, in our minds, in our society, in our nation. Sometimes we forget to understand that the divine healing is a privilege for us as God's children, and also it is one of the evangelistic tools the church has ever been given. Unfortunately, The body of Christ utilizes this gift so sparingly, if not so reservedly. You know, when I was in my fourth grade 41 years ago, one day in the middle of the night, a few people full of drunk came to our house and frantically knocked on our door. I'm talking about our house in India, right? And my dad, who was a pastor, he really wanted to see who was at the door in the middle of the night so that he could help them. Well, some of you may be thinking, really? Well, people may have guns and they may rob you. Well, in India, robbers do not have guns, for your information. And for your information, we never had anything that they could steal. So my dad was so bold to go and open the door to find out who needed his help. So he went and opened and he found there were a few drunkards, but they were not really using bad words, but they were crying and weeping. And then he asked them, why are you crying? What happened? Then he said, pastor, would you please come to our village right now? We really needed your help. And he asked what? Well, our relative has almost died, she was just sent home from the hospital. Three surgeries failed because she has a terminal cancer. And now she's back from the hospital in an ambulance, and we put her on the street cement pavement and waiting for her to to die so that we could take her and cremate her tomorrow morning. So we believe that Jesus raises people from the dead. Would you please come? They were crying. And so my parents, they were perplexed and they don't know what to do. They looked at each other and certainly they don't want to go with these drunkards. You know, my parents did not have car or motorbike. They had to go. Their only transportation was bicycle. And even these drunkards came by bicycle. And in the middle of the night, they can't even go on bicycle leaving five children. We are we, people. Huh, well, immediately my dad thought, yeah, God, God will heal because they have faith. Why don't we pray over... Oil, we have oil here. So we will pray over this oil, and you take this oil and apply on this woman, and we're going to come to your village tomorrow morning and see what she is doing. But God is going to heal her. We're going to pray right now. So they took a bottle of oil, which is obviously coconut, coconut oil. So they prayed over the oil, and then they gave the bottle to them, and they went away. So next morning, my parents took the bicycle, and they really wanted to go and see what happened to that woman. So as soon as they went there, uh, they saw from distance there was a big crowd of people around that house. And my dad said to my mom, do you think we should return home (laughs) instead of going there? Probably they already took the body to the burial ground. So my dad said, nevertheless, let's go. No, 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 because we gave this oil, probably they will blame us that she died because of you Christians prayed, and they will create problems. And then my mom said, no, we prayed by faith, and even we sat in prayer after we sent them. Do you think God would not honor our faith? And God must have, he let's go and see. And as soon as they went and they only saw a mat still empty on the pavement, the woman was not there. So my parents asked, what happened? Where is the woman that you are expecting her to die? And they said, no, she's not here. We have heard that they got medicine from somewhere. Somebody gave some medicine in, a, in, in an oil form and they applied it and she became, help, she became well and she sat up and then she's in the house inside and taking some food. And these people have no idea that this would ever happen but they subconsciously had faith that God raises the dead and they went and witnessed that this woman was alive and drinking and even talking to my parents. That village literally opened doors for the gospel for the rest of the 40 days. And today, this lady is still alive. I wanted to see her. And she still shares her testimony. During one of the programs last year, she said, can I share my testimony? I said, sure. So she came in the meeting and she shared that, you know, God raised me from dead 40 years ago from terminal cancer. Until today, I didn't even fall sick. She said that, whether you believe it or not. You know, I was uh, in a seminary six years ago, and I was working as a student prayer minister when I was studying there in that seminary. My duty was to call the alumni of the seminary once a week and ask them if they have any prayer need so that I could pray for them. So every Thursday evening, I made calls and asked them how I can be praying for them. And most of them shared their problems, particularly their terrible health issues, and they said, you can be praying, but when they said, pray that we will have peace of mind, we'll have energy, we'll have strength to fight this battle, But most of them have not asked me prayer for healing. I always wondered, because this is a Western world, I always think when a sick person comes to me for prayer, I subconsciously assume that they needed prayer for healing. But here, most of these requests are around the healing, but not the healing directly. And I was surprised by this way of telling me that they don't don't needed a prayer for healing. And in my 25 years of ministry experience, I saw more non-Christians welcoming a prayer for health than Christians in the body of Christ who are lost in sorting out whether it is God's will for them to be healed or not. Or sometimes they better choose options that are available to them, whether they are promising for them or not. But most of them, they were lost in sorting out whether it is God's will for them to be healed or not. When we see many people in the body of Christ suffering with terminal cancers or sitting in wheelchair for years, we always think, you know, God has something to do with their lingering sickness. So we offer them prayers for courage, prayers for emo- emotional healing, and prayer to, to give them kind of you know, self-esteem boost, and we don't really uh, pray for their direct healing. And I think we subconsciously gauge God's will for once healing based on the severity of the problem. Uh, let me repeat that. We subconsciously gauge God's will for healing based on the severity of problem. Because we don't want to be ashamed if nothing happens after we pray. We don't want to feel down when we see miracles don't happen when we pray because we always wanted to see visible changes in person when we are praying for him or her the irony is that we will have more faith for lesser health issues and less faith for bigger health issues Do you understand? Let me repeat that. We, the irony is that we'll have more faith for lesser health challenges and less faith for major health issues. Why? We are actually called to believe in God's promise of healing to us. This is what God said to Israelites in Exodus chapter 23, verses 25 to 28. Serve the Lord your God, and He will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Now, Israelites haven't gone to God, asked God, we need help, we need healing. But God Himself is promising them. Because when God saw hard slavery of Israelites in Egypt, He not only thought that they needed supernatural intervention in their political liberation, but also the need in the areas of provision, protection, and health. God saw that need in them. They needed health. If they wanted to be redeemed, they need to walk thousands of miles, right, making rounds and rounds. And you know what must have happened to those people who were treated by hard masters in Egypt. So God is saying, I will take away sicknesses from the midst of you. When God gave this promise, it applies to everyone, every single one of them who started off their journey with Moses, but not all of them experienced what God promised at the beginning of their journey. You know why? Some of them disobeyed, and many of them distrusted God and turned away to the idols which have given no answers to them in their time of need. You know, God's will will not fail for us, for our healing, if we wholeheartedly trust him and follow his ways. That's our problem. That is not God's problem. When we don't experience healing in us, we don't have to twist our theology to make us feel better. We need to turn back and see what we are missing because God does not fail in his promises. Second, trust in God's provision for healing. God already made a provision for healing in Jesus Christ. Look at what Isaiah says in chapter 53, verses 4 to 5. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his tribes we are healed. Look at this. And then I want you also to go to First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins. None of them forced unto him except the Father who thought about all of us. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Now, unwaveringly, we always believe in the salvation work of God, which Jesus has achieved on the cross of Calvary for us. But what we fail to understand is that Jesus paid for our healing on the same cross and it is part of God's redemptive work. That is what we forget. You know, in other words, crucifixion is the picture of Jesus making payments for our health issues. Not only for our sins and for our forgiveness and other things, He has already paid for health. You know, tons of things are included in the gospel, but health has specifically been mentioned in this area. That means how much God cares for our human body, our well-being. I want to tell you that we should believe in God's healing as much as we believe in God's salvation for our lives. Let me repeat that. We should believe in God's healing in our bodies, in our minds, in our society, in our finances, as much as we believe in the salvation of God for us. Now, We need to exercise God's power against spiritual forces of illness. Now, I'm taking you to a different level of illnesses. We have lots of references here. Sometimes when you get back home, I want you to read it. Now, when I say we need to exercise God's power against sickness, I'm referring to the sicknesses that are caused by Satan. Our health issues are not always caused by physical causes. By nature, infections, bad diet, lack of exercise. Not always, sometimes, yeah. But it is strange for us in the West to believe that Satan could cause sickness in us. We try to look for what we have done in the past in the physical sense, but we don't look back and see how we have done with the Lord or how we have done with the Satan or how we have lived that has caused Satan to act upon us. I'm not saying our neurological problems or seizures, arthritis, diabetes, or hemorrhoids are caused by Satan. But I'm saying that Satan could affect our health. I have met people who came for prayer, and you know, they look healthy, but they are not, because they only know whether they are healthy or not. And they visit hospitals and go through advanced X-ray scans and tests that cannot find anything wrong with them, but they still feel sick, because it is Satan who is tormenting them. And only that person knows what's going on, but he can't even express that because he's going through a spiritual warfare. And now you try to send them to different physicians and then therapists and all, they come, they come back unhealed or they still go back into the sicknesses that they're experiencing because this sickness is caused by Satan. Now I want to tell you that whether it is caused by Satan or it is caused by physical realities, God is supreme over every sort of sickness. If I want to give you examples, example, you have plenty of examples in the Bible where you see even Job was inflicted with boils all over his body. Remember? And you have women in, uh, in the Gospel of Luke who were inflicted by Satan. For 18 years, a woman was going through arthritis problem because Satan was behind, and even Satan was pushing one boy into the water and fire. It is Satan behind, and we seldom admit that Satan could cause any of the physical problems in our body. He does. Unless we are truly godly, and we really come closer to God. Now, we need to seek prayers of faith from our church family. We do not do that. Why? Because we don't want to see ourselves, you know, as people of no faith. And we think, you know, yeah, if we ask it, and then we don't get healed, and they will think that, uh, you know, you don't have uh, prayer, or you don't have faith, that's why. You know, I actually heard a story of uh, a rich man watching a peasant taking uh, a donkey for sale. And this peasant was stopped by this rich man. And the rich man asked, where are you taking your good donkey? And well, I'm taking this donkey uh, to sell it off because um, I needed money, but this donkey is really great. Oh, really? Okay, how much you need that? Uh, how much you need uh, money for this donkey? He said, $1,000. $1,000, okay, uh, but what is the speciality of this donkey? And he said, well, the speciality of this donkey is that when you sit on this donkey and you can literally see the, you know, Makkah in, uh, Masid in, you know, in other words, I can say, you can see heaven. You, can, you just sit on this donkey, you can see heaven. Oh, really? Then he said, I really wanted to go to heaven for a long time, even when, I, when I'm in body, and you say that it is possible when you sit on the donkey physically, you can go to heaven. He said, yeah, absolutely. Then can I try that? He said, yeah, you can. Then he said, I mean, the owner of this donkey said, but one condition. If you want to see heaven by sitting on this donkey, you will see heaven only if you are sinless. You don't lie. You don't exploit people. You don't earn money by wrong ways. And you must be very holy. Then only you can see heaven when you sit on the donkey. He said, fine, but at the same time, he thought, oh, what if I will not be able to see at the beginning? Let me ask my servant to sit on the donkey. So he asked the servant to sit on the donkey and asked, Okay, servant, do you see heaven? And the servant was thinking, okay, what if if I say that I don't see it, then he thinks I'm, am I'm, I'm stealing, I'm trying to rob his money. I'm his servant, so I better say I see heaven. So he's a yes, boss. I see heaven, literally heaven. Oh my goodness, how beautiful it is. Oh, then king, I mean this rich man thought, okay. That is good, so I'm ready to give $1,000, but again, let me see myself by sitting. So he got onto the donkey, and then he was looking, and he saw nothing, literally nothing. And then he was thinking, what if if I say I don't see anything, and then everybody else will think, I'm not holy. I'm not good enough. So the one who was selling the donkey asked this rich man, what do you see? by sitting. He said, I see heaven. (laughs) I see heaven, it is so beautiful. You know, everybody live in that kind of delusion sometimes because we are wrapped by the cultural things, what other people will think of me, so we don't even go and ask for spiritual help when we needed one. And here, James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18, the word of God says, is, there, is anyone among you in trouble? Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Let me read that again. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other, therefore, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of righteous is a powerful, is powerful and effective. Well, about 20 times in the New Testament, we were commanded to pray God in faith You know, our dry prayers do not touch the throne of God. Let me say that. Our dry prayers do not touch the throne of God. Prayers offered in faith makes healing possible. It is not a lie. Let me remind that to you. And you don't have to take this so lightly. Our problem is we believe that God is capable of healing, but we do not trust Him. And I'm boldly saying because I lived by faith all my life. That is my story. And now even today we do that. I learned it from my mother. You know, faith means it's not like, you know, you formulate something from theology. Faith means you literally experience God on earth. That's it. And then you go to him without even wavering. That is what even James chapter 5 verse 6 says, but when you ask, you must believe and do not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from God. If you pray with doubt, you better don't don't even pray waste your time. That's that's my take on it. If you don't have faith that God would heal, you 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 know, and then you doubt, and then you wonder whether God would heal, whether He is capable of, or it is you know too much for God to handle the sickness, and then you are not really having that faith. That is what He makes it clear in verse six. When you ask, you should not doubt at all. In Hebrews chapter eleven sixteen, we see that without faith it is impossible to please God. Hey, you need to memorize the scripture. <laughs> Guys, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Your faith does not grow by striving, but by surrendering. We are striving to increase our faith by going to so many classes. I, I'm not blaming that you. you should not go. We try to increase our faith by reading so many books on faith. We do everything to grow our faith, but we do not go to the Lord to test whether your faith is real or not. So we need to grow our faith not by striving, but surrendering how much we can give ourselves to the Lord. There are times when the Lord tells me not to do I would say, I am not going there, no matter what happens. You know, I can tell you, we, at one point of time, I was so struggling for paying for my tuition when I was in PhD program, and there was someone who promised that they will send money to pay for tuition for that semester. And then when I wrote to that person, and he said, Manohar, you believe in miracles, but our church does not believe in miracles, so therefore we are still wondering whether we should support you. And I wrote back to them, if you really don't believe that God does miracles, I really don't want your support. That is my take on it. The problem is, if our faith does not really bring God from heaven to earth, then what kind of faith is that? You know, this is what I would say. You have to persevere in your faith. Healing delayed is not healing denied. Understand that. Healing delayed is not healing denied. You should not give up in your faith for healing, whether it is physical, mental, or anything else. But our problem is we always assume that divine healing has to happen instantly because that's how we always connected mentally, subconsciously. So we just think that, oh yeah, things should happen quickly, but I tell you that God does not work on our schedules. He expects us to sync our calendars with His. Sync our calendars with Him when we approach Him. Our deliverance will come in God's way and in his timing. I am really surprised at how God does in Exodus chapter 23. And God was bringing all the people of Israel out of Egypt into promised land. And on the way, God promises to this people that he gives them everything, including health and provision and protection. And then he tells them in one place, in chapter 23, verse 23, that he would wipe out all the enemies, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, Jebusites, Parasites. No Parasites. So, I mean, all these people he said, I will wipe out from before you so that you can conquer the promised land. And then he comes to verse 29, and he tells Well, I will not drive them out before you all at once, but I will do little by little in one year. Can you imagine that? I will do it, you know, little by little in one year. Why would a powerful God need timing? In one second, he can just drive those enemies out before them. But God had to extend that plan of driving out those enemies from before them to one year span because when, all, when Israelites were seeing only one danger, God was seeing two dangers. That's what I want to tell you. When certain things don't happen in your life, God is seeing the whole picture of healing rather than that narrow healing that you wanted in a particular area of your body. He is looking to give you the holistic healing so that you won't suffer in life or after life. When they wanted those enemies to be out instantly, but God is telling, I will not drive them out in instantly, but, you know, I will drive them out in one year, little by little. Well, I was glad that God explained the strategy to them. But God would not explain that strategy to every one of us most of the times. So I want you to literally not to give up on your healing. Think about a crippled woman in Luke chapter 13, verse 10. She was coming to synagogue all her life, and now a child of Abraham who knew the promises of God for her healing had to remain in that situation for 18 years. She probably made up her mind to live in suffering, but Jesus noticed her and healed her instantly. She must have already made up their mind. Think about the one who was at the pool of Bethesda, suffering for 38 years. The more he longed for healing, the more healing departed from him. His 35 years of sickness could have easily made him to think that God made him that way. It would have easily made him, that it is God's will for him not to be healed. But Jesus comes and tells, pick up your mat, change your mind, walk, healed. You know, my wife and I, God, I mean, doctors told that you know, we will not have children. Man, we, we were so much, you know, discouraged in India because when you don't have children after one year of marriage or two years of marriage, everybody will ask you are you, are you, are you pregnant now? Are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? It is their problem for us to have children. I don't know. They'll just come, and you get discouraged. They kept asking for eight years and then ten years, and then ten years, enough you know, for us to think that, you know, it is God's will for us to remain barren. And then people began to come and give us free suggestions that, you know, you don't have to wait on God for biological children. Why don't you go and adopt a child? Well, they never offered money for adoption. (laughs) But I used to say, you know, God would give me children, and I just wanted to know if he does not want to give, how will that not glorify him? And I said, I would rather go to grave with the hope that he would give me the child that I'm asking for rather than making some arrangements for my own faith. Well, guess what? After 11 years of that faith, hanging on to God, God gave us Jason, who is 9 years old. He's somewhere at Sunday school. And then after another 5 years, we got another child. And then childs keep coming, which we had to stop. (laughs) So anyway, so I just want to say you do not give up on your healing because my time is running. Here are some practical steps for us. Trust and rest in the finished work of healing. Trust and rest in the finished work of healing. Take authority over your negative thoughts. You know, Satan gives you free suggestions. This is not God's work. It doesn't happen to you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And focus on the Lord, not on your self or your struggle. You know, we need to cling to Jesus rather than becoming like Pharisees, who saw, who showed much interest in analyzing the scriptures than walking with God. You know, we don't want to become like Pharisees, who really showed more interest in going through scriptures—is it God's will? It's God—rather than walking with God or obeying Him—and call for spiritual help. Don't be alone and give, it, give yourself to Satan and his schemes, but seek the help of the church family you have here. And I want us to pray like yeah. Jeremiah, who prayed, heal me, O Lord, I will be healed. Save me, I will be saved, for you are the one I praise. Shall we close our eyes? Father, we thank you so much for teaching us that we need to rely more on you for healing. God, we are tossed back and forth with the various things that make us discouraged because healing seems far away from us, whether it is in our physical body, whether it is in our mental state. But I ask you, Lord, that you open up our minds, our eyes to see the glory that is set before us. That is that you want to be glorified by doing a miracle in our bodies, in our souls, in our minds. God, come on a way to rescue us, O God. Give us more faith and help our unbelief. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to sing some songs.